live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. We're broadcasting from our headquarters of the national headquarters of the Salvation Army here in Alexandria, Virginia. And today with me is the assistant to the editorial director, Michelle Caceres. Hi, Michelle. Hi. I didn't say assistant to the regional manager. That's a little different job. That's a different show. But uh, you're 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 a key player here. I think a lot of our listeners are used to your voice and used to some of the great content that you bring our way uh, to our Fight for Good podcast. And today is no exception. Tell us a little bit about our our special guest today that we will be or you interviewed and we'll be talking about a little bit. Yeah, so I had the great opportunity to speak to singer-songwriter Damian Horn. And originally, Colonel Foley had actually sent me his contact info and just his bio and who he was. And at first, because I had never heard of him, I was like, yeah, maybe. I guess I'll do that. (laughs) And then we actually (laughs) did interview him, and it turned out to be this amazing interview. I was just blown away by his story. And I'm so glad that you sent me his info. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. Our listeners would be mindful that we have a little script that our our wonderful producer, who's with us as well, Elizabeth, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I threw it to you. I, I, I hoped you were mic'd up. I, I love what Elizabeth did on our script here, Michelle, right at the, at the bottom. She has in, you know, capital letters so the old colonel's eyes could see it. Note. Damien is not a millennial. That just kind of cracks me up. And she, she highlighted it. <laughs> and because, again, you know, you, you're kind of our, our uh, influencer, uh, our vlogger expert. You're responsible for our millennial content in the war cry. And so a lot of times you, you're interviewing all kinds of different people. But this one, we kind of threw a curve at you here. And uh, Damien doesn't fit into the millennial category, but... You were obviously very excited about um, after you interviewed with him. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about who he is and and how his story relates to why he's on the Fight for Good podcast with you. Yeah. So again, when you originally sent me his info, um, it was for a millennial interview, and so when we started researching him more, we found out okay, so doesn't quite meet the millennial generation <laughs> off by about five or so years. <laughs> we were like, well, I guess it would just be a separate interview then. And with that, his story just was so intriguing that I actually presented it to, to Jeff, our editorial director as well. I said, this can't just be two pages. Like his story is is just so incredible. We need to really showcase it. So it's, it's actually its own separate interview. It'll be a feature in the September issue. And the reason his story is so great is because he has a relationship with the army that most people don't really know about. Um, He just talks about at a very young age when he would attend a boys and girls club. And then he met a major from the Salvation Army. And that led him to going to church and how the Salvation Army always provided toys and food for him as a child. And then on top of that, Later on in in the interview, you'll hear that he talks about what a time he was homeless and how the army was there to help him and kind of 
get him out of homelessness. So I just think that that was like a great story and a great connection that everyone be super intrigued to hear about. Why, why was, why was his message or why is his message important for people to give a few moments to listen to? He talks about so many different stages of his life. Um, we actually even compare him to a cat with nine lives because he's just been everywhere and he's had really high highs and really low lows. And he shares all of that. But the one thing that stayed consistent is his faith. And I mean, if you're looking for a great story about faith and perseverance, this would be the story to listen to. What was your uh, one takeaway from your time with him? You know, the one the one thing that I'm really feeling right now is to never give up on your dreams. And he definitely didn't. I mean, granted, when he was 18, he even admitted my dream was to be rich and famous. But all through that, you know, his dream was always to work in music. And now he's doing that. And he had some really hard times to get to that step. But he's finally there. I don't think he regrets anything from his past because it led him to do what he wants to do for a living. We encourage you to take a few moments now to listen to Michelle's interview with international recording artist Damien Horn. Okay, so today we are here with Damien Horn. Damien, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm, I'm originally from Hickory, North Carolina, uh, from a, a big blended family of, of 12 children. And uh, I kind of grew up in the area there, kind of like a lower income area there. Uh, this place we called the Fab, growing up there, raised by a single mother. And uh, that's kind of like where my life began and things started for me and just experiencing like a lot of the things that I uh, came across in life at a very young age that, you know, almost kind of set me on a path to where I'm at now. But uh, yeah, that's that's my beginnings. Uh, humble Hickory, North Carolina. And how did you meet the Army? I came to the Army uh, as a kid, actually uh, through the Boys and Girls Club. I, I used to uh, attend the Boys and Girls Club when I was a kid. It kind of was a place for me, like a safe haven for me to uh, kind of get out of the streets and, and stop being a part of things that I saw going on around me. And I would uh, just attend the Boys and Girls Club and, and kind of shoot ball, do homework and those kinds of things. And then one particular uh, evening, this guy comes over from the Salvation Army, which was connected to our Boys and Girls Club, and he would shoot basketball with us and, uh, you know, just kind of talk with us. And it, he invited us to church. And uh, it was a guy by the name of Major Pete Costas. And uh, and that's how I kind of got introduced to the Salvation Army Church. And I, I would attend the programs, start, you know, doing the weekly programs and, and then got super interested in going to like the summer camps. And then like uh, the Army pretty much became my, my family. Wow, that's great. And how old were you when when you started the Boys and Girls Club? Uh, I was probably like preteen, teenage, like 12, 13 years old. It's kind of when I started going to the Salvation Army Church to the core. Oh, nice. As we and call would it. you say that's how would you say that's how you found your faith? Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in, in my family, like, you know, growing up in the South a lot, you know, it's very like, uh, you know, part of uh, the culture to be in church all the time. So I was always attending church with my mom growing up. But uh, that's kind of really where it developed was at the the Salvation Army. You know, I once I started going there, uh, I actually got Pete Costas gave me my first Bible. And I remember written inside of it what two scriptures was Jeremiah uh, 29, 11 and Proverbs three, five and six, which is basically, you know, the first one was uh, 
For I know the plans I have for you, thus said the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And the second was to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge uh, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And so these two things were like super strong scriptures for me at the time, because when I was growing up, you know, I had I had lost two older brothers to the streets who were killed. And then two of my younger brothers uh, went to prison. And so it was kind of what I was seeing all the time. So to hear words like there was a there's a good future in, in in front of me and that somebody cared about where I was headed, you know, resonated with me and I, well, I wanted it to be true. And so when I read those two scriptures, I was like, all right, let me let me like dive into this 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 word a little more and see if there's something in there for me. Definitely. And you were so young when you did that. I mean, not most teenagers, you know really give themselves to religion and faith. Um, did you, th- do you think that that kind of like was a very like pivotal moment for you in your life? Uh, yeah, it, w- it was definitely a pivotal moment in my life. I feel like, you know, I, I, I know now looking back, I definitely believe in like, you know, the divine intervention of what God was doing and what he was prepping me for at the time. And uh, so it wasn't like, you know, you know, in my mind, kind of going through the process, you kind of feel like it's something you stumble upon or this happened in this. But like I, I, I can see the orchestration of what God was doing the whole time to kind of put me in the position for him to use me. And uh, I just, you know, I was just I always say it like this, like I was just like young and dumb enough to be like, you know, an open vessel, you know. And then I was like, all right, let me let me try this. Let me see if there's any truth to it. And and also kind of growing up the way that I I did, I, there wasn't any other options I felt like on the table that was something that I wanted to be a part of. You know, like I said, like I was kind of saying, you know, either I would die early or I would end up in prison. And that's not what I wanted. And so, you know, God's word was showing me and offering me something better. So, I, yeah, definitely. Um, and then you are very open, you know, in TED Talks and other Army interviews about a time in your life where you um, were homeless. Do you want to kind of talk about that and share your story? Yeah. So, um, you know, after I kind of like started attending the core and like my, my faith started growing and became strong, I realized like I had to, you know, like I, or I realized that God had something different in store for me. So I started believing the word that I was reading and it, and it started manifesting in my life. And so I was the first one in my immediate family to graduate from high school. And so when I did that, I just kind of had this kind of light bulb experience. It was like, well, if I can do that, I can do more things. And so I, I, I just sat down and thought about what I wanted to do with my life. And at that time being, you know, 17, 18 years old, you think to yourself, well, oh, you want to be rich and famous. This is what I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, that's my game plan. So I ended up, you know, saving some money that particular summer after high school. And um, I I knew I had a, a love for music in the entertainment industry. So I just, you know, packed up my things and got a one-way Greyhound bus ticket and went to Hollywood, California. That's where I thought you had to go to be oh, rich wow. and famous. So I went and right. did that. And, and so when I got there, I, I found out really quick that, uh, uh, you know, I only had like, a, you know, $400 in, in a bag of clothes. And I, I learned really quick that it takes more than $400 to to make it in LA. And so I ended up homeless there for the next couple of years, just, you know, clear across the country, had never really been outside of the Carolinas. And then now I'm on the other side of the country, you know, with no one and knowing no one and, and no money and no place to stay. And that's kind of, that's how that began. Did you ever um, reach out to the Salvation Army? 
I did. I did. And uh, it's funny you said that because like that was always one of the things in my mind. It's like, oh, well, I know the Salvation Army helps people and, and, and stuff like that. They help like they even helped me when I was a kid before I even knew what the Salvation Army was. You know, like I remember getting toys and clothes and things for, you know, for Christmas based through the Salvation Army. But then as I started attending the Corps, I realized all the programs and the, you know, the things that they offer to help people in need. So I was like, oh, this, I, I know exactly where to go. And the particular one that was in the area where I was at was a all a uh, Spanish speaking one. So I would go there and was able to get food from time to time, but like not much else I was able to do, but there was lots of other programs I ended up finding there. But the Salvation Army was always someplace I could think in my mind. It's like, oh, I know I could go here and get help. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, because you were, you were still, you're only 17 years old, you're still young. Um, did faith ever, did you ever waver from your faith or like how did your faith affect you during that difficult time? Yeah, there, there was a period during that time where I, you know, started to, you know, doubt started creeping in. I started thinking, well, um, well, maybe these words don't really apply to me or maybe they're not as true as I wanted them to be because I felt like I had left a bad situation for a worse situation. It's almost I always kind of equate it to like the Exodus experience for the Israelites when they kind of left Egypt. And then it was like, man, we well, at least back in Egypt, we had meals, you know, and you kind of think like that. And I started feeling like that myself. But, uh, you know, for some reason, God, you know, kept, you know, putting, you know, uh, what I call divine encounters in my, my path to kind of give me a push to the next day or to the next direction that I need to go. And one particular day, I remember kind of being at the end of my rope, you know, just had been there a while, just tired of struggling again. And I remember, you know, just walking into a random church and going up to the altar to pray. And, and this guy kind of walks up and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he was just asking what he could pray for. And I just, I didn't really know what I needed at the time. I just know I needed a breakthrough. I needed something to be different. And so that's what I said. And so we, we began to talk back and forth and he offered me a job at his company. You know, I know one of the things I needed at the time was a job, just a way to make money and start saving. And uh, I remember that being a, a huge thing for me because it was just like, I was, once again, I felt like I was at the end of my rope and I feel like nothing was going my way. And then when I went and prayed about it, you know, it was like an answer to prayer, you know, pretty immediately. And I just, it just once again reaffirmed to me that like, you know, God had plans for me to prosper. And if I just trusted him, you know, he'd guide me and direct me. So then it kind of gave me another boost to, you know, fight another day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, um, just kind of a random question. Cause as you were talking, you're saying, you know, you lived, you're across the country. You never really left the Carolinas. Was there ever a time where you almost packed up and went back home? Oh yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times, you know, like, uh, there was times where I wanted to go back home and I uh, thought about doing it, but there was a part of me that felt like I was supposed to be there for something. And, and now looking back, you know, as, as us older people say, you know, looking back is twenty, you know, twenty twenty is you know like looking back, and I I can recognize that um you know those were like the breeding grounds and the the training grounds for you know my faith and where I was headed in life, and I think I I definitely needed that experience to really see the the realness of God and how He operates. Yeah, definitely, and um, I I think you had started to answer this question, but you were talking about that um. The, the person who gave you a job, would you say that that's how you started to get out of homelessness? Yeah, I was, it was just the beginning of it. You know, he, he offered me a job, which gave me, you know, opportunity to kind of make money, save money again. And, uh, you know, something to kind of like keep pushing forward. And, and so I was able to save money. And then 
I still kind of like my dream of becoming rich and famous was kind of like dwindling. But those those thoughts were changing because of what this particular guy did for me. His name's Eric Best. I, I still know know him to this day. But he was like a hero for me in that moment. And then I started thinking back over my life, people who were like heroes who kind of came at the right moment, who, you know, gave me a helping hand or guidance to to go to the next place I need to go. You know, like like the major Pete Costas and like, you know, the the executive director at the Boys and Girls Club, uh, Club Jerry Sorrow and and my mom and people throughout my life who were like heroes. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to do that. Like not just be like rich and famous. I want to like be that person for somebody else. Like I want to be able to, you know, God to use me in, in positions to help people discover their purpose and their way and discover God. Yeah. And um, how did you start your music career? So after I left LA, I ended up making my way toward uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And when I got to Nashville, Tennessee, I mean, when you get there, it's, you know, you hear music on every corner in this particular uh, time when I got there into the city, I remember going on Second Avenue and Broadway and I would see people do what we call busking. You know what I'm saying? So where people sitting on the side of the street and just kind of playing. And uh, so I was like, all right, that's my first gig. That's what I need to do. So I would just sit out there and play for hours. And one particular night after not after being in town for maybe about a month, maybe around a month, uh, this guy walks by with a big old black cowboy hat and a handlebar mustache with some friends of his. And he, he kind of stops and listens and he throws a hundred dollars into my guitar case. And so we started talking back and forth and he was just asking me about my music. And he invited me to come play at this place that he was playing at, uh, with a group of his friends, um, which was deemed the music mafia. And uh, it was just like, Hey man, we got microphones and everything. You don't have to sit out on the street. People would love to listen to what you do. So I kind of joined this kind of crew of musicians, musicians this eclectic crew of musicians and um and then that's kind of how my career took off and I, I later found out that guy was a guy by the name of john rich who became a part of a country called a country duo called big and rich and gretchen wilson and james otto and shannon lawson and the list just kind of goes on and on um of all the people who were involved in it and their careers kind of took off from that which allowed my career to take off, you know, and, and, you know, a few years later I was with these guys opening up for Hank Williams Jr., which was something I'd never <laughs> imagined. Oh, wow. My dad loves him. <laughs> that the family tradition song, man, we hear that yeah. every year. <laughs> that's awesome. So how, um, I mean, that's just such an amazing experience. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, like after meeting these guys, you know, their careers kind of took off and I was a part of this crew where like music just kind of started taking off for each and every person in the group and everybody's getting record deals and publishing deals. I got my first publishing deal in 2004 with Big Love Music and and then signed multiple, multiple publishing deals after that, you know, with Warner Chapel and, and the list kept going on and on. So this allowed me to kind of like do music full time. And then I started developing my own artistry, just not just as a a songwriter, but as a artist. And so what happened from there, I had the opportunity next to uh, tour and do some tour dates with John Legend. And, and I did that as a solo artist. And then I started writing with some friends of mine and we ended up becoming a country trio called The Farm that got signed to Warner Brothers. And we toured for years, you know, just and had, you know, a top 20 and a top 40 song on country radio. And, and it just kept happening. And I continue to write, you know, with, um, my partner from that group, Krista Marie Oswald, and we're a songwriting duo. And then 
uh, a part of a group called the Magi, which is, you know, very inspirational, almost, um, you know, biblically based kind of music. And the list just goes on and on. And now I'm actually host, I'm a host of a television show called The Song. Oh, wow. Um, who are some of your musical influences? Oh, it goes, I mean, so many, because uh, I, I just love <laughs> music. So, you know, I have, you know, influences from all styles of music. You know, I'm a, in the rock world, I was a huge Chris Cornell fan. And in the pop world, I was a big, grew up a big Michael Jackson and, and Prince fan. The soul world, I was a big, you know, uh, Sam Cooke and Otis Redding fan. You know, R&B would be Brian McKnight. You know, uh, gospel would be Fred Hammond. You know, uh, Stevie Wonder. I could list names all day long of people who have influenced my music. So. And has faith ever influenced your music? Uh, yeah, it always does. You know, my faith is it. It you know, it's the guidelines from which I I write. You know, like I you know I'm I'm what they call a mainstream artist because I don't always write specifically Christian music, but I'm a Christian who writes music. So my faith is always an influence in that, you know, so there's no way for me to get around that. It is a big part of, you know, it is who I am. So it, it comes out in my music. <laughs> um, and then you, you've used this motto rise and shine a few times with other interviews and on your website and stuff. Can you go ahead and explain what that means to you? Yeah, rise and shine. You know, like uh, I remember hearing like even like songs about that uh, when I was a kid. You know, like rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Like when I was a kid, hearing like tunes like that. So that rise and shine thing has always stuck in my head. When I wake up in the morning, it's like all right, rise and shine. And so like it just kind of took on another meaning for me when I think about how you can do that in a in a micro level and a macro level, and how I think about that for my life. It's just like in the lives of everybody, I feel like you know we're all gonna come across uh obstacles and trials and we have to rise to occasion and the way we do that is by by what this scripture says trusting in god and and uh leaning to his understanding and not our own and so rising over obstacles and and trials that come in our life and shine and what i mean by shining is i believe when we we finally tap into what we were purposed to, to do we shine, we illuminate. And when we do that, we, we shine light on, on the father in heaven. So it's, it's just the combination of those two terms, rise and shine on, on a bigger scale of life, you know, like rising to the occasion and shining by stepping in purpose and doing what you were called to do. And when you do that, I feel like you liberate other people to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it has such a big meaning for only yeah. being two simple words, you know, right, and right. I think people can, also like add or take, you know, bits and pieces from it as well. So I, I really like that. Um, how has your faith changed throughout the years? You know, you've been through so much and there's times where you were probably losing faith. There's times where maybe some scriptures don't apply to you. And now that they do, just how has it kind of changed throughout the years? Uh, is my faith has definitely uh, grown. I mean, throughout the years, I've, I've I feel like I've lived multiple lives in my life, so I've had a lot of experiences where my faith has been tested. So it, it allows it to, you know, it's like going to the gym and lifting weights. You know, I've been able to put more weight on it and get stronger. But as it grows, new tests come. So it's always a progressive thing, you know. So it's always this thing that I feel like is ever evolving, ever growing. But uh, it's it's continuing to grow because I, I believe that God has always given me opportunities to put it to the test. For sure. And what is some advice that you would give to 
anyone in any similar situation you've been in. I mean, you know, like you said, you were very young, first in your family to graduate high school. You moved across the country to follow your dreams. You were homeless, then you weren't homeless, and then your career started taking off. You know, what is like some advice that you would give to other people in in all those situations? (laughs) Well, I mean, for me, it, it comes, it all comes back down to my faith. I believe, you know, a lot of things that I did try that I you know, I, I stepped out on uh, and tried to make happen. You know, a lot of that started out with my own understanding and my own thinking. And uh, a lot of that times that ended up me, that ended me in uh, some weird positions and not so good positions. But like, I, it's, to me, it just comes back to trusting God and, and, and being obedient to God. And I know sometimes people say that and it sounds kind of almost cliche because if you you know, if you're in the Christian world, you hear that a lot. It's like, oh, just trust God, just give it to God, you know. But I've 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 seen it, you know, work time and time again in my life. A lot of times we feel as people that we have to do something, like we have to pull up our bootstraps and we have to do this, you know. And there is our part to play in that, but like it it only comes. I mean, the best way that comes is through God's leadership and through His His guidance. So it's you know, like to pull up your bootstraps and to take and charge off into battle is not a smart thing when you don't have the correct weapons or the co- correct tactic or, you know, a lot of other things that comes with that. And so that's why you need the guidance of God. God, man, has he has the understanding and the knowledge of this world that he created, of what is happening, what's going on. So when you don't know what to do, sit back and listen, read his word, put those, put his word to the test and follow that. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes because people, I know for me, I just, I really, I never claimed to be like the smartest guy on the block. So it's just like, it was easier for me to just be like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to trust that there is a God who loves me, who has the best plans in store for me. And he understands what he's designed way better than I do. So I'm going to trust in that. And when he opens the door, uh, just give me the strength to walk through it. And then the next door and the next step. Definitely. Yeah. And that can, like we said, you've been, I feel like you're like a cat, like you've had like nine lives. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like that. I feel like that advice applies to anybody in any stage of life. You know, like everyone goes through struggles and things and everyone has really high highs and really low lows. But at the end of the day, like you said, put your next foot forward and just trust that God is there and he's leading you in the right path. Absolutely. You know, it's it's about that con- that continual motion of try. Uh, like I told you, I have a group called the Magi and we just released a single called Try. And it, it's based on that premise. You know, a lot of times you, you can get in the routine of the day and you get knocked down and it, you know, a lot of a lot life can be hard. There's, there's some, there's some situations in life that can be really hard and, and people can go through it and feel like there's no way out of that. But like, I know through, you know, that perseverance of getting up and trying and trusting in God that like you can overcome you can overcome it pretty much anything. Yeah. And our theme for the September issue is kindness. Um, do you want to kind of talk about a time where, I mean, it might, it might sound kind of cheesy, but where someone just gave you that extra bit of kindness and that really impacted your life somehow? Oh yeah. Like all those names I mentioned before, you know, Jerry Sorrow was the uh, executive director at the Boys and Girls Club. And I was at the time when I first started, 
started going to the Boys and Girls Club, I was very what they call rough around the edges, a tough little kid, you know, who would cause a lot of trouble. But they extended kindness and gave me mercy multiple times when I messed up. The same thing with Pete Costas when when I was going to the core, you know, just being patient and kind with me and offering me opportunities. Same thing with Eric Best when I was in Hollywood, California. He didn't even know me, but he offered me a job, you know, like a homeless guy, a job, you know. So like there's been plenty of acts of kindness in my life that I've experienced where it 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 really, you know, catapulted me to the next part of my life and and forward. And what does kindness mean to you? Um, I feel like kindness means to me is just a genuine like understanding and and uh intentional effort to um show compassion to somebody, you know. Uh it's not really based on anything that the other person has done or or who the person is or anything like that. It's just like intentional compassion for, for a fellow human, you know? Definitely. Um, so just a couple more questions. Um, you know, COVID has completely stopped a lot of things with, right. you know, in Hollywood with music and movies, how has COVID affected, um, your, your career? Uh, it it has affected my career a lot. Every, every date that I had booked doing this, um, Kind of this time from March till August was canceled. And uh, I mean, that's the bulk of what I do for a living. But, you know, I've definitely been blessed where, you know, other things have come along that allowed me to keep moving forward. It's So in that sense, uh, I mean, I miss being on the road and I miss playing to audiences and stuff. But it also has given me opportunity to sit down and create uh, and record a lot more, which is, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to juggle the two, like one or the, one or the other, you know, kind of falters because of it. You know, if you're touring a lot, then you don't have a lot of time to record. And if you're recording a lot, you're not touring. So, so this has definitely been the recording and the creative process time. So it's been good. It's been good for that sense. That was Michelle with Damien Horn. We appreciate you taking a few moments, giving us a listen today on the fight for good podcast. We're going to end our podcast today, reminding you to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow The War Cry and Peer Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. For further information about Fight for Good, we encourage you to visit our webpage at www.thewarcry.org. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.